0: I am so glad you've let me come into your space. My name is Rick Renner. My friend, thank you for this time together. Stay with me because today you're going to hear something that's going to really impact your life. I'm teaching a brand new series, which is called How to Determine What God Gives and Never Gives. You need to know the answer to that question. And the subtitle says Biblical Guidelines to Help You Know What to Receive and what to resist. You need to know what you're supposed to receive, and you need to know what you need to stand against. And that's what you will learn in this life-transforming series called How to Determine What God Gives and Never Gives. It comes in five parts and in multiple formats, and it comes with a study guide. And hey, friends, the study guide is loaded. You will love this study guide. And while you read it, you can hear it or see it and really really reinforce this teaching down deep inside you. We're told in Romans 10, verse 17, the faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. This is a series you need to hear and hear and hear and hear. You need to know what God gives and what God never gives. This could change your life. And you can order this by going online or by giving us a call. And right now, we're also offering you a book that would be great for you to read right now, which is called a life ablaze. Look at this book. It is amazing. This book covers the 10 simple keys to living on fire for God. Maybe you started on fire, but somewhere along the way, you feel like you've lost your fire. Well, how do you stoke the coals and get the fire to burn again? You have to inject the right fuels into your spiritual furnace. And this book covers those 10 fuels so that you can be on fire and stay on fire and be a life ablaze to the end of your life. You can order this by going online or by giving us a call right now. And when you become a partner with our ministry and help us take the teaching of the Bible around the world, we're going to send you a couple books as our way of saying, welcome to our partner family. Proverbs 10, 21 amazingly says... The lips of the righteous feed many. I know that that is my job, to bring teaching people can trust to them wherever they are. And my friends, people really are watching this program all over the planet. But partners help us take the signal to them by putting financial fuel in the tank of the ministry. And the moment you become a partner with our ministry and choose to give regularly to our ministry, we're going to send you my book, which is called Life in the combat zone. How to survive, thrive, and overcome in the midst of any difficult situation. I'm not prophesying a problem to you. You probably already have a problem. You need to know how to survive, thrive, and overcome in the midst of any difficult situation you're facing. That's why we send this book to those who become partners, and we'll send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We always send these two books To anybody who becomes a partner is our way of saying welcome to the family. And please remember that we want to know how to pray for you. So give us a call right now. I mean, right now we're waiting to hear from you. Or send us your email. And the moment we get your call or your email shows up in our inbox, we're going to stand in faith for God to do something tremendous in response to our prayers and your desire. God is going to move. Jesus said, if two of you will agree as touching anything, I'll do it. And if you don't know anybody else to get into agreement with you, call us. We'll get into agreement with you in prayer. We'll pray the word over you in faith. And Jesus will do what we ask. But let us know how to pray for you. I'll be back in just a moment.
1: Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust. A message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the word of God. Here is Rick.
0: Today, I want you to reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in this program, and we're believing. For a revival of the Bible to come to the body of Christ. But reach for your Bible and I want you to return with me to James chapter 1. And we're going to begin again today in James 1 verse 1. And as I told you yesterday, the book of James is the oldest book in the New Testament. And this James was the half-brother of Jesus. And the reason I call him the half-brother is because Jesus and James had the same mother, but they didn't have the same fathers. James' father was Joseph, but we know that Jesus... Jesus' father was God. Jesus was the Son of God, but his brother James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He had another brother by the name of Jude who wrote the book of Jude. And you can read all about Jesus' amazing family in Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 and verse 56. Most people don't know that after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had additional children, but they're all listed there, including at least two sisters. But let's go back to James chapter 1, verse 1, where the Bible says, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Yesterday we covered the name James, we looked at the word servant, and we looked at the words Lord Jesus Christ, and today we're going to continue. It says, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. These words, scattered abroad, is so very important in this text because it describes the plight of these believers. It is the Greek word diaspora. The word diaspora is a Greek word which describes the random scattering of seed. It was used here to depict the scattering of Jewish believers. Well, in the ancient world, there were two ways to plant seed. One way is you would plant one seed after another seed in a nice, neat Orderly row. And then there was the second way, which was called diaspora, the same word that is used here. And in this second way, the sower would take a satchel of seed, he would put his hand into the satchel, grab a whole handful of seed, and then with no rhyme or reason, he would just begin to throw the seed, hurl the seed, or scatter the seed with no rhyme or reason. And that is the word that is used here, which means the displacement of these believers has not been nice, neat, and orderly, but it's been very random. It's been very disruptive. They have literally been scattered all over the eastern lands of the Mediterranean. What happened to them? Well, persecution came to them and it was like the enemy came and uprooted them from their homes and they literally were scattered. They were so scattered, some of them didn't know where their other family members were. This was a very abrupt, tragic scattering of believers. And it first began in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, where we read, And Saul was consenting unto his death. It's talking about the death of Stephen. And there was Saul, who later became the legendary Apostle Paul, consenting unto his death. Now listen to this. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. But look at the words used in this verse. It says there was a great persecution. The word great is the Greek word megas. It describes something big, something great, something huge, or something enormous, which means this was an enormous or mega persecution. The word persecution, the Greek word dioko, a very interesting word that can be used negatively or positively. Here, it is used very negatively. The word dioko here translated to persecute. It means to pursue to follow after, to persecute and it is literally the very word used to describe the actions of a hunter. A hunter who followed after an animal to apprehend, capture and kill it. Which tells us This great, enormous persecution which was waged against the early church was intense. They were following the scent of believers. They were looking for every indication that a believer had been here or a believer had been there, just like a hunter who looks for every little broken branch and follows the tracks of animals and follows the scent. They were following hotly after believers to capture them, apprehend them, imprison them, and even kill them. And the Bible says it was a great Great persecution. But it's interesting, this word dioko can also be used in a very positive way. For example, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we are to follow after love. That word follows the same Greek word dioko. We're to hotly pursue love. We can't wait for love to come to us, we've got to follow its trail follow its tracks, follow its scent until finally we capture love in all of our relationships. We find the same word used in Hebrews chapter 12 to say we're to follow after peace with all men, which means we can't wait for peace to come to us. We've got to put on our hunting gear and say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to have peace with this person. I'm going to follow peace, follow the tracks of peace, follow the scent of peace until finally I have peace In this relationship. But negatively, it describes horrific persecution. And we read here in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 there was a mega persecution, it was a mega hunt. ...against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and it says they were scattered abroad. That is the Greek word diaspora, the same word used in James chapter 1, verse 1, which means the random scattering of seed. And it is used here to describe the scattering of these believers. And the scattering of these believers was really triggered because of a great hunt or a great persecution which was led by Saul, who later became the great legendary Apostle Paul. But like hunters pursuing animals, they were pursuing believers to capture them, to apprehend them, to imprison them, even to kill them. And it was during this time that one believer went here, another believer went there. They were literally scattered like seed, uprooted, and scattered all over the Mediterranean Sea. It is amazing. And it was to these believers that James wrote his letter And he said to them in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Well, let's begin with the word brethren. The word brethren is a word used all over the New Testament, and James uses it in his epistle over and over and over and over as we proceed in the book of James. You're going to be surprised how many times this word brethren shows up. And it is a translation of the Greek word adelphos. The word delphos, is the word for a woman's womb. When you put an A on the front, it's one born out of a womb. So literally, when you call somebody a brother... It was a term to describe two or more who were born from the same womb. Of course, they all came from different families, but they were all born again. And therefore, they were all born out of the womb of God. But it was an endearing term to describe those of one's own family. And later, listen to this. This word, Adolphos, here translated brethren, was used in a military sense to depict brothers in battle, a comrade, and hence brotherhood. And let me give you a little history to how this word brethren became popularized. It was first popularized by Alexander the Great, who was the great legendary soldier of antiquity. And every soldier wanted some kind of affiliation with Alexander the Great. So from time to time, he would hold a huge award ceremony and would call especially brave soldiers on stage who would stand next to him. He would wrap his arm around them and would say to all the other adoring soldiers, Let the whole empire know, Alexander is proud to be the Adelphos, the brother of this soldier, and it took on the sense of camaraderie, or two who were comrades, two brothers in battle together. It was the greatest honor that you could confer upon a soldier. And now James, knowing how this word is used, is saying to his believers that are reading his epistles, Hey guys, I'm proud of you. You are my brethren. Not only are we born out of the same womb, not only are we all related in Christ, but you are a fellow fighter. And even though they were struggling, he was proud verbally to wrap his arms around them and say, Let everybody know, I'm proud to be affiliated with you. And that must have been so encouraging because they were struggling. They'd been scattered abroad and probably felt that spiritually they were failing. But instead of telling them they were failing or condemning them for their struggle, James verbally wraps his arms around them and says, my brethren, I'm proud to be associated with believers, comrades, soldiers like you. And my friends, I want to tell you, you need to wrap your arms around those that are struggling and encourage them. If they're still slugging it out, if they're still taking one step at a time forward, maybe they don't have success yet, but you need to let them know that you are proud of them by calling them your brother. That's what this word brethren really means. And he continues to say in verse 2, count it all joy. Count it. What does that mean? The word count is the Greek word hegeo I'm going to read to you directly from my notes. It means to reckon it. It means to determine. A determination not left to chance. Listen to me a determination not left to chance. So when James said count it all joy, he was essentially saying determine joy. Make a decision to have joy. Don't leave it to feelings. Don't leave it to chance. This word count, the Greek word hegeomai, means to make a predetermined decision. We find the same word used in Romans chapter 6 verse 11, where the apostle Paul writes, and it says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word reckon is this same word count. The Greek word, hegeomai. It means that when sin tries to show up in your life, you reckon it dead. You make the decision it's not going to operate in your life. It is a decision that you do not leave the chance. You intellectually make a decision. You make a choice. You have to reckon yourself dead to sin and you have to reckon yourself alive to God. It is a decision not left to emotion, not left to circumstances, not left to chance. It is a decision. It describes a predetermined course of action. And now James uses this word, hegeomai, translated here, count, which means essentially James told his readers, listen to this, you need to make a decision that you're going to have joy in your life regardless of what you're experiencing. It's not going to happen automatically. You need to decide to have it. And then he says, count it all, joy. He did not say, enjoy your problems. He said, count it all joy. There's a big difference between enjoying and counting it all joy. If you're enjoying your problems, you've got a problem. The Bible doesn't tell us to enjoy any problem, but it does tell us, he, Geo, my, make a predetermined decision. Regardless of what's going on around you, you are going to have joy. Well, the word joy is the Greek word kara. It is a form of the Greek word charis. The word charis is the word for grace, which means... Joy is supernaturally produced. It comes from down deep inside. It comes from the grace of God. It doesn't determine, is not determined by what's happening around you or what you feel or fleeting emotions. Joy is produced by counters by the grace of God. I say it like this: when the Bible talks about joy, it's talking about a quality produced down deep inside of us by the grace of God. Happiness is like the ripples on the surface of a lake or a river. The top of the water is affected by the environment and atmospheric conditions, and it's changing all the time. One day it's smooth, the next day it's rough, but near the bottom of the lake or the bottom of the river, there is a current that basically stays the same all the time. It is not affected by the atmosphere or by the weather. It's just not effective. It's stable. It's strong. It's secure. Mm. Regardless of what's happening on the surface, the inside remains steady and consistent. And that's what joy is like. It is unchanging. Isn't that an awesome description of joy? And God does not want us to live like ripples on the top of the water that are affected by the wind and the atmospheric conditions and what's going on around us. But God wants us to be like that deep current that runs in the bottom of a lake or in the bottom of a river. He wants us to live deeper. He wants us to go for joy. Happiness is a fleeting emotion that comes and goes, but joy is a work of grace. It's supernatural. It is a work of grace produced by the Holy Ghost deep inside of us that remains the same regardless of what is going on in the exterior of our lives. Choosing joy, choosing joy, predetermined joy is the first step to getting out of any mess. It is the attitude that says, you're not taking my joy and you're not taking my victory. It is a choice and that is why he says, count it the Greek word "higeomai," which means make a decision. This is what you're going to live in, not in happiness, but in joy. And he says, count it all joy when, oh wait, the word when is the Greek word hoten, which is subjunctive in the Greek, which means it probably is something that's going to take you off guard or by surprise, which means attacks take us off guard. That's why they're called Attacks and they happen to everybody. If you knew it was coming, you would circumvent it. But he uses the word "hotan" here, which implies it happens to everybody from time to time. He doesn't say "count it all joy." If he says "count it all joy," when? When it takes you off guard? When it takes you by surprise? When you fall into divers? temptations the word fall the greek word perippto i it's a compound of two words the word peri means around it describes a circle The word pipto means to fall head first. It describes an individual that has fallen into a ditch. And when he gets up and brushes off the dirt and looks around Perry, he's surrounded on every side. This is an all-encompassing problem. This is not a minor deal. This is a big deal. He feels he has been swallowed up by something. And it is the same word which we find in Luke 10, verse 30. That is the only other place where this word peripipto is used in the New Testament. And it says... And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among, that's the word peripipto, and fell among thieves, which, look what they did, stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So by using this word peripto, James is talking about problems that strip you, wound you, and leave you half dead. And James says, even when you're under this kind of assault, you need to be making a decision that you're going to operate from joy deep within you. That's why you cannot depend on happiness or fleeting emotions. You may not feel happy, but joy is produced by the grace of God, and you can operate in that deep current of joy regardless of what the enemy is trying to do to you. You can, but it's a choice. And we have to make that choice. And James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into and find yourself surrounded by diverse temptations. And diverse temptations describes what was happening to the believers that he was writing to. And they were wondering, is this from God? or is this from some other source? So James wrote to them to let them know how to determine what comes from God, what does not come from God, what you should receive, and what you should stand against. And this is where we're going to begin again tomorrow. I'll be back in just a moment,
1: and I'm going to pray for you. Is it difficult for you to figure out what God gives and doesn't give? For example, do you wonder if God ever permits tragedy? Has someone ever told you that God has allowed bad things to happen to you? And if bad things have happened to you, how can you resist them, overcome them, and get back on track again? All of these questions are answered in this five-part series, How to Determine What God Gives and Never Gives. In this series, Rick Brenner also teaches you how supernatural joy will empower you to make it through difficult circumstances, how endurance will help you hang in there until you receive what you need from God, how to Know If You're in Doubt or If You Are Asking in Faith, available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. This series will revolutionize your thinking about what God gives and never gives. In addition to this teaching series, you can also purchase the book, A Life Ablaze. In this powerful book, Rick lays out everything you need to live an intimate, uncompromising life and stay on fire with the Holy Spirit's power for years to come. Don't delay in ordering your copy today, because it will help you throw the right fuels into your fire to get you burning again. Order your copy of A Life Ablaze today for only $18. Don't miss this special offer, this series, How to Determine What God Gives and Never Gives, and the book, A Life Ablaze. Call the number on your screen now, or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
0: This is Rick Renner, I want to give you a good report. It is amazing, but we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years, and we've outgrown it. And because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team and because of your gifts. We're able to do this in Tulsa, we're able to do this in Moscow, and my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings. No, no, no. It's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the Giving Team and remaining a part of the Giving Team. As we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming, and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please become a part of our team today.
1: Pastor Rick's heart is just to get the message of the gospel out there. And because he is absolutely a man after God's own heart, when God says, do this, he says, yes, I know that we're going to have substantial growth just because That is Pastor Rick's vision. Pastor Rick's heart is for people, and that's why he always says call in for prayer because he's sincere and he means it, and we do too. We're all very honored and humbled. It's just been a wonderful thing to see the growth that has happened because we know the growth comes with people's lives being changed, and that's what our heart is about. These are the end times that we're living in, and there are a lot of new believers. There are many people. Wonderful! It's wonderful to hear that, um, coming, to, coming to know Jesus for the first time. And um, I'm so thankful that we have the tools and the resources available, ready for them when they need it. We're just privileged to get to lend our gifts and our touches to written communication from this ministry.
0: James said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. He didn't say, enjoy it. (laughs) There's nothing pleasurable about problems. But when you make a decision that you're going to operate in joy, you're already on the way out of your ditch. It all begins with a decision. But we're going to begin here again tomorrow. But I want you to order the whole series, which is called How to Determine What God Gives and Never Gives. The subtitle says, Biblical Guidelines to Help You Know What to Receive and What to Resist. You need to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. And it would be a great series for you to give to somebody else that's struggling. It will really encourage them and revolutionize their thinking. And it comes with a study guide. And right now, we're also offering you my book, which is a great book to be reading at this time of the year, called A Life Ablaze. Look at the size of this book. I'll tell you, when you get a Rick Renner book, you really get what you paid for. The subtitle says, Ten Simple Keys to Living on Fire for God. It's the ten fuels you need to be injecting into your spiritual furnace so that you become a life ablaze to the end of your life. That's God's will for you. By the way, you can order all of these by going online or by giving us a call. And please let us know how to pray for you. We're waiting to hear from you right now. You can give us a ring or send us your email, and we're going to release our faith for God to mightily move on your behalf. But Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that we do not have to be victims We do not have to be the uh, people that are just led by our emotions one day good, one day bad. We can choose to operate in joy in that deep current of the Holy Ghost down deep inside us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow, but remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a King is, there's power.